This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. A few days ago, I received a note from a listener. And by the way, it's just really nice to get feedback from people. So thank you to the people who have written recently. Well, this one listener mentioned that she sometimes listens to podcasts as she falls asleep at night, and the other evening she was listening to me as she drifted off to sleep. And she wrote, thanking me for the word that I shared. And this reminded me of perhaps my greatest gift to the church. As I share, I very often provide brothers and sisters with both the opportunity and the impetus to take a good nap. I have spoken in many countries over the years, and if all of the people who have fallen asleep while I was teaching were laid end to end, they would be much more comfortable. (laughs) Remember, if you want to contact me, feel free to send an email to ancientpaths at cantrell.cc, or you can read more about our ministry and life at www.cantrell.cc. And the music that you hear at the beginning and the end of these podcasts comes from uh, one of my albums. I have two albums that I've recorded, instrumental music. One is entitled Invocation, the other is entitled Sanctuary. And you can find those albums on iTunes, Spotify, at Google, or wherever you get your music, if you're interested. Okay, well, let's get into this. How to find peace in Christ in times of trouble. Now I begin on the topic that was what I originally thought might be the first episode of this podcast. I used these notes as I determined the podcast workflow. And since then, as I've recorded, I've often prayed for wisdom about when to speak about this topic, and and I believe that now is the time. The title is a bit long, and I don't really like it very much, How to Find Peace in Christ in Times of Trouble. I generally don't like how-to sermons in Christian books, you know, the kind of thing, seven steps to spiritual health or things like that. That recipe form of teaching can tend toward encouraging us to think that if we will just take certain steps, then our preferred outcome is guaranteed. And this attitude, you know, I think can really bring us to the edge of a form of witchcraft, And casting spells is a form of witchcraft. And this idea of casting spells is, if I say magic words and if I make the magic motions, then I can conform the spiritual and physical world to my will. And we need to be very, very careful about that attitude. It can really sneak in that somehow God is our servant. Well, of course, the Christian walk is is actually quite the opposite of that attitude. As we abide in Christ... We are conformed to his image and to his will, and then we allow his will to be lived out in our lives. We don't want the heavens to be conformed to us. We want to be conformed to God and live a life according to his will, not our own will. And this path of a Christian is one that includes death to self, saying no to ourselves and yes to Jesus. So that's why I don't really like these how-to sermons, and I think I'll probably change the title when I actually post the podcast 
But the title of my notes is How to Find Peace in Christ in Times of Trouble. Well, all of that said, what I'm going to share is not really so much a sermon or a teaching as it is a personal message. I am speaking as a witness of how the Lord has helped me find peace in times of hardship. So what I'm going to share over the next two or three podcasts is how the Lord led me through a really hard time. It's how Jesus has been a good shepherd for me. A few years ago, Olga and I went through a very, very difficult time. And it was not the first time we've been through something pretty hard. We've had many hard times as we've been uh, ministering here in Russia, and God has given us the grace to experience those hard times. If we go through them well, of course, we end up in a far better place than before we went through them. But a few years ago, as I said, Olga and I went through something that was really hard and very surprising. I may reveal a few specifics about it a little bit later, but it's enough to say that it really was a gut punch to us, and it really hurt, and it took time for us to process through it. We felt like our feet were swept from under us, but we really felt like we were standing on firm ground, and then suddenly our feet were just pulled out from under us. We experienced waves of confusion and doubt, and we grieved as what we thought was permanent was washed away quickly and painfully. Oh boy, at that time we found ourselves, it was kind of a sense of being anchorless, suddenly surprised by a really painful turn of events, caught in a big storm, not of our own making. It really hurt. It really, really hurt. For different people, uh, perhaps hardships come through a nagging illness, perhaps a difficult marriage, an angry critic who will just not go away and leave you alone. Perhaps someone wants to do you harm. Perhaps there are threats against your safety. Maybe there's a boss who treats you badly, some personal relationship that is causing a tremendous amount of pain. It may come from confusion or doubt or regret or disappointment over what could have been or what would have been if we or someone we know had been less selfish. These hardships come in many ways, and they all hurt. They really do hurt. Some are dramatic, and some may not appear to be dramatic, but it really causes a deep pain. Over the past week or so, I've had conversations with a few people who were going through very difficult times. And I found myself returning to these thoughts, the things I'm going to share. So that's one reason that I thought now is a good time. The Lord had led me to talk through these things uh, with a few individuals, and so now I'll share it with all of you. If you are facing a really difficult situation right now, I encourage you to take a piece of paper and a pen, sit down, and ask the Lord to speak to you, and then write down what you hear. And what follows are the things that he said to me in my time of trouble. And this is a case where I preach what I practice. <laughs> when I sat down at my desk, actually the desk I'm sitting at right now, with a pen and a piece of paper, 
the very first thing God spoke to me was Psalm 18. I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I just, I'm lost. I don't know how to make heads or tails of this situation. There was a little bit of a spiritual shock that I was in where just get so confused and thoughts are jumbled together. And I asked the Lord, said, Lord, I really need to hear your voice. And I was sitting expectantly with a piece of paper and a pen. And uh, very quickly, just almost immediately, he brought Psalm 18 to mind. Not the actual psalm, but just that those words, Psalm 18. I had to flip open the Bible and look it up. And you know, the Bible is made up of poetry and prose. All through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find both poetry and prose. Prose communicates the mind of God, and poetry communicates his heart. Poetry communicates emotion. It's true among humans, here in Russia in particular, when there's a big event, somebody graduates, or there's a, a wedding, people will write poems and read the poems to all the people there. It's really beautiful because we're communicating truths through the heart, emotional expressions of truth. And this is true in the Bible as well. Poetry communicates God's heart. And Psalm 18 is poetry. It's an expression of feelings. It's where the Lord speaks truth to our hearts. And at the beginning of Psalm 18, it says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. That's what he spoke to me, the very first thing, very quickly. He is a rock. That means he's solid and unchanging. And he is a refuge, a stronghold, a shield, a deliverer. And this means that he is safe and secure. He's a shield from the enemy. A refuge is a place to which we run for protection. We need to enter into his presence, enter into him, running into a refuge and being enclosed by those safe walls. This was his first word for me. Before everything else that was to follow, while I was in the middle of this storm of confusion and grief and doubt, he told me that he alone is the source of true protection and strength, and there is no other. Well, it's his kindness to remove any other foundation, isn't it? When we go through a time of shaking, of questioning, of confusion, it may very well be that the Lord is allowing things that we depended on to be shaken away so that we will depend only on him. He alone is our rock and our refuge. Well, what follows next are notes that I wrote down as God provided comfort and wise counsel. And he provided these things through the Bible, through mature brothers and sisters. Oh, we had so many good counselors help us. And through prayer. And from here on, I won't present things in chronological order, the way that things came to us, but I've sort of grouped various things together. And I hope it'll help you. It really helped us, me and Olga, of course. Well, this is the first thing that I have on my list here. And it happened early on. Uh, one day, as Olga and I were talking about this painful situation, she said, is this really happening to me? 
We never thought that we would be in the middle of such a storm. Of all the things that could happen and have happened, we never thought that this would happen to us. Yes, this painful situation is happening. If you're going through something hard or somebody you know is going through something hard, there's actually a little bit of a comfort to say, yeah, it actually is happening. Even though it's unbelievable or we think, oh, it can't be, it actually is happening. And therefore, the Lord is allowing it to happen. Does anything happen that God does not allow? Is his power limited? Well, no, of course not. I found comfort in the knowledge, the truth that, yes, this painful thing is happening, and God allowed it to happen. We have to remember that Satan asked to attack Job in the Old Testament, and he asked permission to attack Peter in the New Testament, and God gave permission. Isn't that something? Sometimes God allows us to be sifted as wheat, which is how Satan, the adversary, asked to treat Peter. And if you're going through a hard time, it's because God has allowed it, ultimately. And there's a promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it promises us that he will never give us more than we can handle. And I'll just read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Boy, there's a lot of wisdom there. A lot of times, just when we think everything is just right and we're doing great on our own, boy, that's the time of a tumble. <laughs> uh, verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So we have a promise here that he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. Well, when we get into times of trouble, what are some of the temptations that are particular to hardship? Well, certainly there's a temptation to say, I give up. I can't handle anymore. I'm supposed to have a happy life, but I'm not happy. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> Those are the notes I wrote down. There's a real temptation to say, that's it. I give up. I cannot handle anymore. Of course, the promise in the scripture is, yes, you can handle it. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows me better than I know myself. Well, goodness, the things I've gone through recently, I could not have borne 15 years ago. So he knows how strong we are and how strong we can be. But there is a temptation to say, I can't handle anymore. There's also this temptation to say, I'm supposed to have a happy life, but I'm not happy. And that is a temptation to believe a lie about God and what he has said. There's a temptation in times of hardship to say, God is not keeping his promise to make me happy, to give me a fun life. <laughs> well, of course, God doesn't promise to make us happy. He does promise to make us holy and to give us grace so that we can share in his divine nature. He actually promises that we will be perfected through suffering. So there is a temptation to believe lies about God. This lie that God is not there. We may be tempted to believe that he doesn't care about us. He's not a loving father. We can be tempted to believe that he is surprised. That God was caught off guard and doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and so he's distant. He's away from us. But those are all lies. Those are not true. 
but we can face those temptations. And there are many other temptations you may be facing to move away from God because of the hardship that you're in. Well, shine some light on those things and stand on the promises of God, not just on your feelings. As hard as it is, our faith is not in ourself or our strength. Our faith is in him. Well, if this painful situation really is happening, and if he promises never to give us more than we can handle, this means that he trusts you to get through it. And I took great comfort in understanding that. That because this thing was so hard, and because he had allowed it to happen, that meant that he trusted me with it. And that he knew, as a loving dad, that I could get through it. With him, of course. He knows that you can survive this well. He knew that I could get through it with him and not be overcome. He will provide the grace, the the power, the spiritual power to press on if we'll abide in him. There's the secret, the big if. We must, must, must have his strength and wisdom. Otherwise, we will fall. But that comforted me. That really did comfort me as I went through this. He knows it's happening. He's allowed it to happen, and he trusts us to get through it with him. Another thing is something that I've spoken on before in the podcast. I know I'm repeating myself, but it's good to return to it. And I actually learned this lesson in the middle of that time of hardship a few years ago. And it's what I call the healthy and mature prayer. I learned this uh, in this time of difficulty. And you know, these times of difficulty, they're really excellent opportunities to learn very good lessons. And there are some lessons that we can learn only when we're going through intense suffering or hardship. So we should turn our difficulty into an opportunity to learn these lessons that are going to help others. As I called out to the Lord, asking him how to navigate that really difficult time, he led me to this healthy and mature prayer. I wrote it down on my piece of paper. And the prayer is, Lord, Help me walk through this well as a Christian so I can help others who later walk the same path. That's that healthy and mature prayer that I learned as I was going through. I was right in the middle of this storm, and it was emotional and physical and spiritual. You know, you lose sleep, emotions go all over the place, and of course there's spiritual attack and doubt and confusion. These things happen. And in the middle of that, God gave me this prayer. Lord, help me walk through this well as a Christian so I can help others who later walk the same path. There's a temptation in me, and I don't know if it comes from my long history in the Western church, the American church in particular. There's this idea that the Christian life is a fun life and that if we have any trouble or hardship, That's not in accordance with the will of God. We should try to avoid troubles and hardships. And so there's a temptation in me that I should try to avoid this problem, somehow go around this difficult spot, and then on the other side of it, meet up with Jesus again and continue to be a Christian after I've avoided the problem on my own. There's another part of me that says, I 
I'm going to go through this alone. I'll get through it, this hard time. But once I'm through this hard time, then I can meet Jesus on the other side of this difficult time. And then I'll walk with Jesus after that. So there's this big problem. Sometimes I have an image like a big pit of blackness, and I either try to go around it or I try to go through it by myself. In either case, I meet Jesus and continue my Christian walk on the other side of the hardship. But that's just not the way. Matter of fact, I just recently spoke about the slough of despond from Pilgrim's Progress, this swamp of hopelessness. And there are times when we just have to go through those things. We have to go through these hard times with the Lord, following the shepherd's voice, standing on his promises. And that's why this prayer is so good. Lord, help me walk through this well as a Christian. That's key. We want to be the people who are mature because we've been through hard times well as believers. That we can say to others, you know, I was in a situation like that, and this is how the Lord helped me walk through it. And as a matter of fact, what I'm sharing with you right now is exactly a result of that. He answered my prayer. He gave me this prayer, and then he answered this prayer. Lord, help me walk through this well as a Christian so I can help others who later walk the same path. And as often happens, pretty soon after I prayed this prayer and started writing all these things down and learning these lessons, the Lord gave me opportunities to share these things in various situations where people were hurting. I shared with a church that was in the middle of a church split, lots of broken relationships there. I shared in personal conversations with people who were really suffering in various ways. Right in the middle of these hard times, let's be the people that pray this prayer. Lord, help me walk through this well as a Christian so I can help others who later walk the same path. That really is a healthy and mature prayer. Another thing that the Lord, I guess, reminded me of or taught me more deeply is how Jesus is a good shepherd. This was also a bit early on in my calling out to the Lord. I realized I needed a shepherd. As I was in the middle of this hard time, I did not want to find a book that says something like, you know, Seven Steps to Spiritual Health or The Secrets of Surviving Hardship or anything like that. I needed to hear specifically from the Lord how he wanted me to process through this. I really personally needed a shepherd. Of course, he could speak to me through other books, but I was looking to him. I was not looking to any other human being. I was looking to Jesus as the good shepherd. He's there. He is not silent. And he has helped many people walk through similar things. And I needed to hear the shepherd's voice. So the first thing I was asking for was wisdom. And I was listening for what he said. That's why I sat down with a piece of paper and a pen. And that day and for uh, several weeks to follow, I was constantly writing things on the paper or typing them on notes on my computer. I was listening for the wisdom of his voice through mature counselors, through the Bible, and through my prayers. I was really listening for his voice. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, 
and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. That's in John chapter 10. Jesus speaking of the good shepherd who calls his sheep, and here's the key verse for me, or the key words, by name. Jesus calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them. I really needed the Lord to call me by name because the situation I was in, I had absolutely no idea how to best process through or to walk through the situation. I really needed to hear him call my name and lead me and my wife and my family. So listen for the shepherd's voice. There's an interesting thing here, um, kind of encouraging. He says that the sheep know his voice. They hear other voices, the voice of the enemy, the voice of a stranger, but they don't follow that voice because they know the voice of the shepherd. So we should not pay attention to these other voices. We're going to hear lots of other voices. As a matter of fact, I was speaking with somebody not too long ago, and they were receiving really bad advice from a pastor. I mean, it was clearly bad advice. It was unbiblical, unscriptural advice. That was coming from a church leader. And of course, the person I was talking to was kind of confused because they're saying, well, I went for counsel, but this is what I was told, but that doesn't line up with what God has revealed. And I said, yeah, you know, don't follow that voice. You listen for the voice of Jesus. And of course, in the world, my goodness, the definition of happiness is ungodly. There are all these voices that'll say to us, this is the way to get out of a hard time. And we should not follow those voices. We'll hear other voices, but we shouldn't follow them. Don't pay attention to the devil and his words. Somebody told us at this time, don't even spend time rebuking the devil and his words. Just turn to Jesus. Follow the shepherd. Just refuse to even face the stranger's voice. Don't give time to it. Give your time to Jesus. Listen only for his voice. So that first step is to ask for wisdom and then listen for that voice. And the second step, the second part of this, what God was saying to me, is then follow. Then do what he says. That's so important. When we hear his voice, that's what Jesus is saying in John chapter 10, he calls us by name and he leads us and then we follow him. We've got to hear his voice and then do what he says. Doing the will of God puts us on a firm foundation. And I've said it many times at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on a rock. So when we know what the Lord is saying and how he's calling us, and I'll talk later about specifics of things that he said and specific things that I could do actually physically do in the middle of my circumstances, what he was calling me and then how I followed him. As we do that, then we're on a rock. Then our feet don't feel like they've been swept out from under us anymore. Then we're actually standing on something firm. Just a few days ago, this is not something that I heard a few years ago as I was going through this, but I heard this recently. And this phrase, it's from Elizabeth Elliot, there is no consolation like obedience. I thought that was a great word. 
There is no consolation like obedience. And what Elizabeth Elliot is touching on is what God was teaching me. When we're suffering and grieving and in a hard time, we can be put on a firm foundation through obedience. There is no consolation like obedience. Well, next time I'm going to talk about specific situations in which another person has offended us. How does the Lord want us to respond when a brother or a sister causes pain or gives offense? I'll talk about how God led me and the lessons that I learned specifically related to another person who offends us. So until then, may the Lord continue to reveal his word and his ways to you, my friends. For his paths are good and they always bring peace to the soul. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening and God bless you all. Thank you.